celebrate communion. Absolutely. Well, welcome to church. Good to see everyone here. Who's good? Fantastic. There's a few of that's good. Daniel's got his crown on. That was nice to shine. Did you enjoy it? Yes. I want to thank everyone that was able to make it out to Night to Shine as well to just help put on an incredible, incredible night for those that are in our community that um, don't get those those things that, that a lot of us get, don't get those, those type of big nights and so on. Um, I know last year there was a lady that said that that was her second time out out of a whole calendar year. They've been at home that whole year. And only once before Night to Shine have they gone out. So Night to Shine is just an incredible moment that we get to really encourage and love on those that uh, need, need special care. So uh, that's fantastic. We, we had 71 VIPs, which is, yeah, awesome. And over 150 volunteers that uh, put all the night together. So um, specifically those that are in the kitchen with me, good on you. It was hot. It was good. I want to start off uh, my message this morning. We're telling you a little bit of a story about two of Jesus' followers, two of his disciples. They're, they're men. They're not little boys. They're men. And I want to tell you about a question they asked Jesus. Now, they've, at this time, they've been following Jesus for about two years now, maybe three They've been following him for a while. It's not just three weeks. It's, it's a lengthy time that they've been with the Messiah. And uh, they, they come to Jesus. It's James and John. It's James and John. Good guys. Good. They didn't betray Jesus. They didn't sell him for silver. They're good guys. They go to Jesus and go, if we can, if we are allowed to ask this, Can one of us be on your right-hand side when you are on your throne? And the other one on your left-hand side when you are on your throne in your kingdom? And Jesus is like, really? That's the question you want to ask? And the other disciples hear this and they're outraged. They're like, I can't believe it. I was going to ask that. They're just so annoyed. They're like, I can't believe that they got in first, that they asked this, this amazing thing. And, and Jesus looks at them, and, and the story is in Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45. And I'm going to read it the ESV because um, it just describes what I want to really highlight really well. It says this, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, because they were annoyed. All the disciples, the other ten were like, Why? Why did you get to ask that first? So Jesus says to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The title of my message this morning is Gifted for Greatness. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is, it is powerful. I thank you that it, it cuts through bone and marrow. Lord, I thank you that it, it moves people. I thank you that it heals people. I thank you that it sets people free. And I pray that this morning it will be so, that you will set people free with this word that you will move people with this word, 
that people will draw nearer to you because of this word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Gifted for greatness. I want to be great. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pretend that I don't want to be. I want to be great. I've always wanted to be great. When I was a kid, I, I played all sorts of sports. I did cricket. I did AFL footy. I did rugby league. I did rugby union. I did basketball. I played athletics. I, I did uh, running. I did high jump. I, did, I didn't do shot put. Look at me. I did uh, different things. I did all sorts of, I did swimming. I did horse riding. I, I, I did karate. I, I played the drums. I tried to play the piano. All these things. I wanted to be great at something. I was not great at any of it. Any of it. I was okay at footy. I was all right at footy. I played pretty good. I sometimes got man of the match when I was in grade four. It was, uh, it was good. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm athletic. I'm athletic. Not tall enough for basketball. Uh, Jesse over here always, always beats me in basketball. Um, what else? Piano. I did it once. Thought it was girly. I regret that decision. I regret that decision. It is not girly. For those that are out there wanting to play piano, do it. I wish I could, I wish I could play. I could play a really simple little jingle, and it makes me feel good, but I wish I could play more. Uh, drums, I played drums. Mum complained. It was too loud. There's a lot of things that I did because I wanted to be great. In athletics, I always came second or third. It was never first. So uh, I was not great. I was just not great at those things. But greatness is something that I aimed at. It is something that I wanted. I wanted to be great at something. I believe it is in our DNA. We all want to be great at something. We all long to be the best at something. And so we try different things and we we do all these sorts of things that we have interest in just so that we can excel at it, just so that we can be great at it. Because I think it is in every single one of us to be great. We have been created by God with specific gifts and talents, with particular tendencies and interests. We have been molded and made to, be, to, to do certain things and to do them well. See, there's this basketball player called Michael Jordan. And Michael, Mike, when he was a little boy, he played basketball, among other sports. He played some baseball. But he was particularly good at basketball. And so he pursued basketball. He put all of his God-given gifts and talents into playing basketball. He went to college playing basketball. He spent four years in college playing basketball, and he was great at playing basketball. His name changed. This is how great he was. He went from Mike to Michael. Someone that good cannot be called Mike anymore. We go for their full name. He is Michael. Michael then entered the NBA playing basketball, and he just excelled. He skyrocketed to the top. There are all these other legends in the league already, like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and all of them were like, well, this is the next greatest thing. He's, he's phenomenal. Michael Jordan excelled at basketball. He was gifted to play basketball. He was great at basketball. And he, he's now known, sorry, Jesse, as the greatest of all times. He is the greatest basketball player of all times. Not LeBron. Michael Jordan. Count him. No, I'm kidding. I know you think that, so it's just... But Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all times. You know, he tried playing baseball. He retired from basketball during his career, and he went to go play baseball. He's like, I'm going to play Major League Baseball. 
He was trash at baseball. He was, sure, he could hit the bat. Sure, I mean, hit the ball with the bat. But compared to basketball, it was no match. He was so good at basketball that when he played baseball, it was like, what a waste of time. It's like when we do a handstand and we walk on our hands. It's like, oh, look at me, I'm walking on my hands. That's not what your hands are meant to do. That's what your feet should do. Sure, you're walking. Great, well done. But it's awkward. It's not right. It's not what your hands are supposed to do. That's like Michael Jordan playing baseball. Great, kid. Well done. But that's not what you're supposed to do. You're better at basketball. Play basketball. My foot was created to be walked on. My nose to smell. My eyes to see. My lung to breathe. I cannot breathe with my foot. And my eye cannot smell a thing. And I tell you what, if my lung was a foot, I wouldn't walk on it because it'll hurt. But everything was created for a purpose. Everything was created for a reason. The human body was created with many, many parts and all of them with different purposes. But all of them are working together to act to create one goal, to achieve one goal so that we can live out the lives we, we were created to live. If our feet fail us, it's harder for us to live the life we were created to live. If our lungs fail us, it's harder for us to live. Let's be fair. If we don't have lungs, we're not living. All these things that are created for a purpose, for a reason, and they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do. They were created to do what they're supposed to do. And if they don't do that, we don't achieve what we were set out to achieve, what we were created to achieve. The foot was created to be great at walking. It, was, it is the best at enabling us to stand, walk, and run. Foot excels at walking. That's what it does. It cannot be great at anything else. Foot painting compared to hand painting is terrible. Let's be real. Foot painting, if it was like a professional painter and they started doing it with their foot, looks like a 12-year-old did it. Or worse, a six-year-old did it. It's just not meant to be like that. Things that are created to be for certain things are better at those things. The foot was not created to paint. The hand was created to paint. You were created to be great too. You were created to excel in a certain area. Just like the foot excels at walking, and just like Michael Jordan excelled at basketball, you and I were created to excel at something and be great at something. We are gifted for greatness. The question is, what does greatness look like then? Let's look at the words of Jesus again in Mark 10. He says, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Some people think that being great means others do everything for you. Sometimes when we see these, these high-profile people and they step out and door gets open for them. They walk into their hotel, door gets open for them. They go into their room, don't know what happens there, but they probably get everything done for them in there too. We think that that's great, or some people think that that's great. And that person's great. Look at, look at all these people doing stuff for them. But that's not 
how it is to God. That's not how God sees greatness. God sees greatness as the opposite. God sees greatness as people doing something for other people. That is greatness for God. Jesus reveals to his disciples what greatness truly looks like. Those that are great are those that serve others. You are gifted for greatness. This means you are gifted to serve. I hope this is encouraging to you. I really do hope and I was praying that this message will be encouraging to people. I don't want this message to come across in any way that I'm pointing fingers at anyone or, or where I'm not happy or, or anything like that. This is a word from God because God wants everyone here to know that they are gifted for greatness. And greatness looks like serving people. That's what greatness is to God. You are gifted for greatness. Every single one of us has been created by God with someone else in mind. This means that part of the reason God created you is so that you can use the incredible gifts that He gave you to serve other people, to help other people, to love on other people. In Romans 12, verse 1 to 11, Paul says about, look what Paul says about each of us having gifts and being gifted for greatness. He says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't be conformed and copy the behaviors of this world. Don't think that greatness is those that get everything done for them. But let your mind be renewed and transformed to see the way God sees. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with, with a, such faith as God has given you, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. If you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I like how he finishes that. You know, he, he speaks of all these different gifts that we have 
as the body of Christ because this is the body of Christ. Just like I've got fingers, hands, toes, soles of my feet, kneecaps, everything plays a part. Every single one of us is a toe or an eye or a nose or a brain or a foot. I know a lot of us don't want to be a foot because you just feel like you're getting walked on. But every single one of us have a part to play. We have specific goals. We have specific purpose. We have a specific reason. And that's what Paul's saying. The body of Christ is that. We all have a part to play. But he says, work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's all summed up like that. He details what we do. If you're gifted to serve, serve others well. If you're gifted to prophesy, speak boldly. If you're gifted to teach, teach. Do all these things for people. But then he says, serve God well. Serve God well. Because when we do things for each other, when we do things for other people, when we do things for the least of these, we are doing it for God. Everything we do, we do for God. In Proverbs, in Proverbs it says, uh, work unto the Lord. So instead of, yeah, it pretty much says that. Verbatim, that's what it says verbatim. No, it's a, kidding. I really butchered that. Anyway, it says that instead of working to your boss, instead of focusing on doing it for your boss, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord because that's what you truly are doing. And us as, as members of the body of Christ, we are so aware if you are a Christian in this room, if you are a Jesus follower, we are so aware of who we're truly doing it for. It is for God. We do what we do for God. You see, there's a, there's a door that stops us from greatness. There's a few steps that we have to get to to enter into greatness. The key to the door that keeps us from greatness is living your life as a holy sacrifice. Living your life not concerned about your desire or what you feel like or what you think, but living your life with the will of God as your number one priority. Living your life in this way is good, pleasing, and perfect. It is the key that unlocks the door that keeps you from greatness. Living your life with the will of God in mind is that key that unlocks the door to greatness. But the door to greatness is sometimes a little bit stubborn. The lock can be quite tricky to unlock. You may have the key to unlock the door to greatness, but unlocking the door is only possible when you are honest in your evaluation of yourself. If you have the key to a door, if you have a key to a car, you don't know how to use it, key's pretty much useless. You can't just chuck the key to the door, against the door, and think it's going to unlock the door. Having the key only means so much. There's another step to unlocking the door. And being humble is that step. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Not thinking that you are better than, any, that, than you, what you truly are. The door to greatness will continue to stay locked if you don't choose to be humble. Can you imagine if the foot was, I'm done. I'm done with it. I don't want to be a foot anymore. People just abuse me. They kick coffee tables with me. They, they, they step on thorns with me. I'm over it. I want to be the brain. The brain gets all the credit. The brain gets, gets things done. 
That's what the brain does. If your foot decided to be a brain, you're done. You're not, you're not getting far. The foot needs to stay true. It needs to stay humble. It needs to be honest in its self-evaluation. I'm not a brain. I'm a foot. I'm going to be a foot. I'm going to be the best foot I can be. That's, what, that's when it works. That's when things work well. When you have a proper evaluation of yourself, not thinking that you are better than what you truly are, and you stay humble, then you will be able to use the key that you got by living your life as a living sacrifice to God, continuously pursuing His will and His ways. With that key and your humble, humble attitude, you are able to then unlock the door to greatness. The door opens when we stay humble. When we realize that we are not better than, than anyone else. That we don't deserve better than anyone else. Instead, I am here to help others. And if I have been given much, much is then expected of me to help others. To love others. To serve others. The field where greatness is outworked. The field or the, the, the court, per se, that greatness is played on, the canvas that greatness is painted on, is the serving. You see, you can have the key. You can unlock the door. You can open it. You can walk into that atmosphere. You can walk into where greatness happens. But if you don't actually play the game, you're not going to be great. If you don't do what God has created you to do, if you don't use your gifts to serve people, to love people, to give back to people, then the greatness that God sees for your life is never eventuated. It never is outplayed. It never is outworked. If you have the gift of prophecy and you use that gift of prophecy to serve others, you will become great. If you have the gift of serving. Now, serving, this word particularly means like serving like a, like a waiter serves. You're at a table. You're, you're helping people. It's like what the deacons and the host team do here at church. It's like what the people on cafe do. It's that kind of serving. It's that you, you, you're there for people. You're helping people. You're ministering to people. It's, it's going visiting the sick, that, that kind of serving. If you're gifted to do that, then you will be great when you actually do it for people. If you have the gift of teaching, when you use it to serve others, you will be great. And the list goes on. If you are gifted to encourage and you use your encouragement to continuously get alongside people that are down and outcast in this life and go, you know what? I believe in you. You can do it. There are great things for you. There's more for you. And you continue to lift people up and encourage people using your gift of encouragement to serve others. You will be great. If you're gifted to give and you give for other people, you will be great. If you're gifted in leadership and you don't lord it over people, you don't make people do what you want them to do. Instead, you use it to serve people, taking them to new places Enabling them and encouraging them and helping them unlock new levels to their life. If you do that for people, if you lead people and you lead them well with the heart of a servant, you will be great. 
if you're gifted for kindness. Can you believe that's a gift? I can. I've met some people that are not very kind. If you are gifted for kindness, be kind to other people and you will be great. We are all gifted with different abilities and all of our gifts can be used to serve others. You are gifted for greatness. 1 Peter verse 4 to 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Serve others. Help others. Do good to others. Take every opportunity that you get to serve. And it will benefit you in ways you didn't think it could. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I'm not a big fan of using the promises of God to persuade people to do things. I don't really like doing that. You go, you know what, if you do that, this will happen for you. It's, it's just not, I don't like doing it. I get it. I understand it. The promises of God are in the Bible. And every single promise of God is yes and amen when you do what the promise requires you to do. But I'd rather people decide to do things because it's just the right thing to do. It's like when it comes to tithing. I don't want to persuade you with the promises of God while to tithe, even though the promises are fantastic. Actually, God even says, test me on it. It's the only thing he says, test me on it. But I don't want to persuade you to do that by using the promises of God. I want you to do it because you know that it is the right thing to do. I want you to serve people because you know that it is the right thing to do. Not because of the promises of God. They're great. And they will come to pass when you do what God has asked you to do. But nevertheless, the promises are there, right? So it doesn't matter what I feel. doesn't matter how I think about it. The promise is there. If you refresh other people, you yourself will be refreshed. And there are so many different verses in the Bible that outline the benefits of doing life for other people. The great, great benefits that come from doing it for other people. The most important reason to me for doing the right thing is simple. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to do what he does. I want to walk like he walks. I want to work like he works. That's why I will continue to serve other people. That's why I will give my life to serving people. That's why I will use my gifts and abilities that God has given me to serve people. It's because he does that. He did that. He showed me how to do it. And he continuously shows me how to do it. Because I want to be a Jesus follower. You don't have to look hard to see how Jesus did it. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, the light of heaven came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be crowned here on earth. He didn't come to be seated on his throne here on earth. He came as a man like you and I so that we can identify with him 
and so that it is easy for us to follow him. It's this really cool story that I was told a couple of months ago of this lady that uh, she was a Christian and her husband isn't a Christian or wasn't a Christian. And uh, every time she goes to church, the husband would be like, you know what, I just don't get it. I just don't understand how you can believe this stuff. And they had this big farm or big ranch or whatever it is, it's in America somewhere. And there was a massive storm, a massive snowstorm. And, and all these geese were just landing in his, in his land, in his farm. And he was concerned about the geese. And he's trying to get them into the barn, trying to get them into some shelter some, to protect them from the weather. And he's trying all sorts of different things. He's trying all sorts of different strategies. He's trying to quack like a geese or he's trying to move, flap like a geese. He's just trying to get all these geese into the barn. And no matter what he did, they just wouldn't go into the barn. And he says to himself, if only I was a geese, then they would follow me. And then the penny dropped. God became man, came down to earth like us, flesh and bone, said, follow me. And we get it. We can follow him because he's one of us. Yes, he's God. Yes, he's almighty. Yes, he's creator of all, but he put on flesh and bone. He put on the image of man. The creator stepped into his creation and said, follow me. And we go, of course, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't we? The life that comes from following Jesus. The gifts, the abilities, the grace, the mercies, the love. Just makes sense. That's why we follow him. That's why I follow him. The Bible is full of different times where Jesus served people, healing all who came to him. Jesus used his gifts to serve others. He gave people freedom. He restored people. He accepted and served people that others rejected. He used his gifts to serve. He didn't lord his authority over others. He served others. He will be crowned in heaven. But when he was here on earth, that's not what he was about. He will have his throne in heaven. But when he was here on earth, that's not what he was about. He was here to serve. One of the most striking images of Jesus serving is found in John chapter 13, verse 4 to 5. So to give you some backstory of this account, it's just before Jesus is about to go to the cross. And actually says in a couple of verses before where I'm going to start reading, that Judas walks in and Jesus knows what Judas is about to do. That Judas was about to betray him. Yet he got all 12 disciples to sit down, even Judas, to sit down. And he says in verse 4, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. Judas is in the room, and Jesus knows exactly what Judas is about to do. Yet he washes his feet. Jesus is not like, not thinking he's better than Judas. He's happy to do it. He's happy to get down on his own knees and wash the feet of the one that's about to betray him. And he does it for every single disciple. He does it for Thomas, doubting Thomas. What a shame. 
forever here on earth known as Doubting Thomas. He did it for Thomas. He did it for Peter, who was about to deny him three times. He did it for these men that were going to walk away from him in his biggest time of need. But he did it anyway. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, washed those yucky feet. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Imagine the scene. All of them in the room. They all knew who Jesus was too. It wasn't hidden from them anymore. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the Son of God. They knew that he was God himself. And they're just watching him wash their feet. Peter comes, when it comes to Peter's turn, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want you to touch my feet. It's fine. I've got this thing about my feet that I don't like people touching it. And Jesus goes, unless I wash your feet, you don't belong to me. And then Peter's like, wash all of me then. And Jesus is like, well, buddy, we're just staying at the feet right now. And so Jesus then washes Peter's feet. It's this incredible moment, incredible scene where Jesus is showing his disciples and us over 2,000 years later what it looks like to use your gifts to serve others, what it looks like to be great, and that's to serve others. The handle of this message is simple. The application is plain. The takeaway is straightforward. Serve others. Use your God-given gifts to serve others. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And he calls you to follow him. That's what 2024 is about at Emerge Church. It's following him. It's following Jesus. If you don't know what your gifts are, like Jacinta said earlier, we will be doing a Follow God course. And everyone in their life groups will be doing it. And if you aren't a part of life groups, you can come along on a Tuesday night here. And and part of that course, among so many different things, is actually going through a gift survey. And you answer specific questions, you go through, your number things, and you, you come out with a score, and, and that score magically tells you what you're gifted at. It's so that you can know what your strengths are. So that you can know how to apply your gifts to be great. Because every single one of us is gifted for greatness. Well, how can I then use my gifts? You use them to serve others. You use them to put others first, to love others, to follow the leading of Jesus, to follow the example of Jesus, to follow Him. There's this beautiful, beautiful passage in, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And just the paraphrase is, well, just a little part of it that I'll share. Jesus says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Come away with me and you'll recover your life. It's this incredible invitation, and that invitation is there for every single one of us, every single day. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He's not forcing anything on us, and He gives us the grace to be able to do what He has called us to do. It is our choice. We choose Serving other people is not getting you into heaven. Putting your faith in Him gets you into heaven. But serving other people is the fruit of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. 
Because that's what he did. That's what he did. And that's what we are called to do with our gifts. So I'm about to wrap up. And you may have seen a few different tables with a few different signs on them. And so what we're going to do for the rest of this service until we finish up and then we fellowship together. I invite you to go and visit these different tables. Have a chat to the people at the tables because every single person that is at those tables serve in that area. So we have the generations table and that's a kids, youth, young adults, family, seniors, men's, women's. It covers a lot. That table is about the different generations in our church and how you can get involved in serving a particular generation. We also have our creative table there and that's everything you see from the band to production to media to to anything creative. You want to build something, go to the creative one and we'll get you something to build. There's half a drum cage back there that still needs building. So there's things that you can do if you like building. But Go to the creative table then if that's something that you'd like. We have a Sunday service table and this is cafe, this is the host team, this is the service team and who knows that cafe is, is, is vital. If we don't have a cafe, our post service looks uh, very different. We have a lot of people that stay around for a coffee, a barista made coffee to enjoy with one another so that we can fellowship with one another. And we need more people to do that. Every single department that is listed here has a need. The kids have a need. The youth have a need. Every single department has a need. And every single department can use the gifts that you have to serve others. We have a life group table out there as well. And that's if you want to find more information about getting involved in a life group, if you want to host a life group, if you want to be a life group leader. We've, um, we've got three life groups that we believe that God has asked us to plant this year three more life groups we already have seven we want to get to 10 we need people that are willing to host a life group and be the life group leader and if you are gifted in that if that is your gifting if that's what God has placed on your heart do that we have a missions table and we've got so many different things that we do as as a church in in missions we actually have a team over in Cambodia as we speak Right now, they're going into different small country churches, bringing the gospel to those people, relieving the pastors of having to preach every Sunday, feeding the people. There's a concert tonight that is going on in the town square where Jesus will be declared, where Pastor Joe will be preaching the name of Jesus, saying that he's saved, saying that there's freedom in him. We do missions as a church. We do Local missions as well. We are, we're partnering with the Redcliffe Hospital and giving care packs to new, new mothers. We're partnering with Youth Space down the road to help those that are in such desperate need. We do a lot as a church when it comes to missions. And if your gift is regarding that, go see Kerry at the missions table. And we have a next steps table. When someone comes to Jesus, they can come to speak to us at the next steps table at the Next Steps banner that we have. And if you want to be involved in that, if you want to help a new Christian put a Bible in their hand, put, a, uh, put some content in their hand to help them with the journey they just started out on, then if that is a gift that you have, then go chat to the people at the Next Steps table. No matter your gifts, you are gifted to serve. And we all have 
We have all sorts of areas in our church that you can find your fit and use your God-given gifts to serve other people because you are gifted to serve. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the gifts that you've placed on us. God, I pray that every single one of us will use those gifts wisely. Let us not bury our talents, God, but let us make those talents work and develop more so that other people can benefit from them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Also, before we...